Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Oh, all right. I had a, I had a relaxing weekend. Okay. It's been a rough week. Yeah. Um, as of this recording, uh, it's because of my day job, uh, which you, the listener, will never, ever be aware of. You know what, though? Here's the thing, listener. David's told me what he does several times. I still don't know because <laughs> I uh, <laughs> like it sounds boring to me. My brother, my brother has explained. Well, his doesn't sound boring. He works in computers, so he'll start to say, "I'm like, oh, you've you've lost me already." But David just like, "Oh, it's this," and it's like, "Oh, that's really, ugh, that is a day job." And uh, so I I don't know I, what you actually do. I think my job is exciting. I occasionally get to watch movies because of my that's pretty day good. job. Uh, yeah, that's that's no, a fun thing to start. Not like mine's any better. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but, uh, but um, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I am I am intentionally duplicitous sometimes about describing my day job. Intentionally misleading. <laughs> Even if you were to go and find me on LinkedIn, I don't think you would get the right idea about what my day job is. Are you on LinkedIn? Uh, yeah. Hmm. I mean, uh, I well, I was. I haven't updated it in over a year. I've only ever gotten one interview offer because of it. I went on the interview. I didn't get the job. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this week, though, has just been hellish at my job. So all the relaxingness of this past weekend, relaxation. That's the one. Um, has uh, worn off. I, I, I spent spent it very quickly. But uh, you had a weekend as well. I did. I had, I had a good weekend that caused a stressful week precisely because I had such a good weekend. Uh, <laughs> because my, my work week starts on Saturday, basically, and continues through Sunday. And I was busy Saturday and Sunday. So, uh, yeah, it's been a, a, a rushed few days. But, uh, but, yeah. And here's the thing, David. Go ahead. I'll say this real quick. Because, heaven forbid, we actually keep this short even as we were thinking of it. Um, before now, the weekend that, that you're referring to involves my going to the Los Angeles Podcast Festival, LA Podfest, as it has uh, come to be known. And um, I like the first. I like Los Angeles Podcast Festival. I like it. it sounds you know official or whatever. Um, but uh, so that was Saturday and Sunday. Now they also had it Friday, but I was busy Friday. Here's what I was busy with. Okay, <laughs> I was busy with my first fantasy Oscar draft. Okay, mm-hmm. this is something I've been trying to get together for like two years, but I could never figure out how to do it. And then I finally figured it out. So I did it with a group of friends involving friends of the show, Jason Eakin, Josh Long, Adam Rebitaro, um, Kyle Anderson, Scott and I, and, and just uh, just a bunch of people were, were there and were a part of it. And here's what it sounds, it, like, it sounds like a bunch of dudes. Sounds like a real there, there sausage fest. There were some women there. Yes. But they went. They, those women are not, are not friends of the show. Right. There were other dudes there, but he wasn't. They weren't there. Okay. They, they haven't been on the show. They're okay. not friends at all. All right. all right. Still sounds like mostly dudes. It was mostly dudes. Saying. Yeah. Okay. You know what? There's uh, there were probably a total of eleven people there. No, like ten. And three of them were were women. That's right. not awful. That's not awful. Considering yeah. what it was. Yeah. Which is really nerdy. It's about the percentage of our guests that are that's, female. That's about right. Yes. So which is unfortunate. Okay, so uh, here's what it involved, okay? Because I, was, I would hear my friends talk about fantasy football, and I would uh, want to, you know, kill myself because it's boring. I don't care about football. 
I, I care a little bit about baseball. I don't. I don't hate people who like sports. I, I, I recognize that sports, you know, they're, they're fine. When I go see a baseball game, I have a lot of fun. But when people talk about their fantasy draft, I'm like, I just, you've, you've lost me. Because that's when you get really specific about players and stats. And yeah, I don't pay attention to fantasy, but football is cool. Is it? Yes. Football is a lot of fun. You know, if no, if I, I only like football, if like a, if like a running back pulls a gun and uh, shoots the people, <laughs> you know, along the way, that's that's when you've got me. Um, and of course, hockey is the best, but, uh, I do enjoy hockey. No hockey right now. I enjoy hockey live. I can't watch any sports on TV, but, um, yeah, hockey, we're so far afield right now, we'll but, back. um, people who don't like hockey should go to a game or two because it is a completely different experience from watching it on the TV. Yes, it is. Uh, but you can't go to games right now cause there's no hockey lockout. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. You know what? You can keep track of my fantasy Oscar draft because here's what it was. I was thinking like, well, how do I make this work? Do you pick, does everybody pick one? I thought you pick one movie and then you, then you like see how it does with the Oscars, but that's too small. All right. So here's what I, what I, when I latched onto this, it's like, okay, well, it's not just the Oscars. It will end with the Oscars. The Oscars are the Super Bowl. All right. There are a lot of awards in awards season. Critics Awards, there's the AFI Top 10 of the Year, sure. Golden Globes, Independent Spirit, Guild Awards. That, you know, they're all over the place. And so what, what we decided to do was, okay, you pick a movie, and then you follow that through awards season. But that's still, too spe- that's, that's still too broad. That's one movie. So here's what you do. This is when the rubber meets the road, David. I don't, <laughs> think, that's, I don't think that's at all appropriate for what I'm saying, but... What you do is you go, you, so we decided to split it up, picture, director, actor, actress, supporting, supporting, adapted, original, screenplays, uh, and then uh, a category called catch-all, okay? And so what you do is we would go through and we would say what our picks were for, like, like okay, uh, I, oddly enough, I went first. It wasn't me. It was the randomizer. I went first, and so you could pick from any category. That's, that's kind of how you level the playing field. And so first I said, okay, uh, Kira Knightley, Anna Karenina for Best Actress. Okay, and so you put together your your fantasy, your you know your your dream team. Mm-hmm. Okay, it doesn't all have to be from one movie. It can be from all these different things. You know, I've got Kira Knightley. I also have John Hawks for the sessions. Um, but I I I bet on Anna Karenina quite a bit because you don't merely get points for wins. You get points for nominations. Okay. Okay. And so. All those categories makes, you know, that those are self-explanatory. Then there's the catch-all. Now, the catch-all only applies to the Oscars because if you applied it to every other award ceremony, you'd go insane, all right? Because you pick a movie for the catch-all, and that covers every category that we have not specified, all right? Mm-hmm. All the technical categories, makeup, uh, music, you know, the, the, the whole deal. So, And that applies only to the Oscars. And so... We went, we went through, and uh, everybody throws in 10 bucks, and then at the end of uh, the Oscars, everybody totals up the points, and whoever has the most points uh, wins the, I don't know, like 80 bucks that we wound up uh, throwing in. Um, and it's the, the, by incorporating all of awards season, what we've done is we've had it be not unlike 
uh, an actual fantasy like football or baseball draft where you're following the season, seeing how it's going. Your player get, gets hurt. That's unfortunate. You bet on uh, Amelia. Hey, that's unfortunate because there are some movies that uh, that seem like Oscar bait and fall out pretty quick. See, and that right there, that is something that you think of as a fun twist yeah it's a risk that that is the reason i don't want to do this oh that is the thing that is keeping me from wanting and to here's do the this. thing um what is it okay somebody in our fantasy oscar draft voted for picked helen mirren for best actress for hitchcock somebody else picked her for supporting actress huh. okay and so one of the you know both of those people are taking a risk we haven't seen hitchcock we haven't seen the reviews you only see the trailer yeah, that's why is I this going to be it. a beautiful mind? Is it going to be walk the line as far as the supportive wife? What's it going to be? Yeah, and oh, I, that's why I don't. It's so fun, David. <laughs> that's what makes it not fun to oh, me. It's the best. It's only ten bucks, David. Come on. Um, I don't. I don't have. So that's what books. I did Friday night, and it was delightful. I can't wait for uh, the first critics awards to start coming out. Um, but uh, anyway. Uh, and then Friday, uh, I'll just speak in general terms. Friday was great. It was uh, the podcast festival was at a hotel in Santa Monica. Uh, there are basically three rooms and in, in various areas of the hotel that were uh, kind of blocked off for for these purposes. Um, you could go see live recordings of podcasts. And it, it, to be honest, like this first year, because they are going to do again, do it again next year. This first year, it's pretty much just a comedy podcast festival. Um, but that's fine because a lot of the, you know, a lot of guests, a lot of friends of our show, uh, had, have comedy podcasts. And so I went and saw Never Not Funny Live. I saw the 40 year old boy live comedy film nerds. Um, and then there were, then there were others that I, that I have never listened to like Fitz Dog, which is Greg Fitzsimmons walking the room. Um, I feel like there were others, but they're not springing to mind right now. But I also got the opportunity to talk to. Uh, past guests like Mike Siegel and Wayne Fetterman and Jimmy Pardo and and it was just really it was a really great you know you know how you talk about Comic-Con that it's just Mm -hmm. such a it's such a there's such a good vibe going on like it's there's positivity there's no judgment and the the relationship between the podcasters and the audience is not unlike when you hear comedians talk about their relationship to their to their fans um, and what the audience has enabled them to do as far as connecting with their fans a lot more. And so, um, you know, the, the audience clearly loves the person podcasting and then the, then the podcaster gets that, that positive energy and, and puts it back out there to, to the fans and, and everybody's just happy to be a part of this thing, especially because it's the first thing. And, uh, and it's one of those things where it's going to sound kind of strange, but, you know, there are, there are days, I'm sure, David, you've had them as well. There are days when it's like, you know, Battleship Pretension is like the best thing I've ever done, and I absolutely love it. There are other days when you're like, what am I doing with my life? Hey, that's me today. Yeah. It, you know, it happens. Um, and uh, for the last few weeks, I've kind of been like, man, where, am I, where are we going with this? Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. And people, you know, they're very supportive during the donation drive. So there's no question that we have that we have listeners and fans and and that's great but there are times when you're just like where where does this go like what is the end game here yeah and uh and then going to the podcast festival helped um just seeing that like so because very few of uh the podcasters um 
have the, they don't charge, they don't monetize. You know, I mean, yeah. there's Mark Marin, there's Never Not Funny, but Pod F Tomcast, they, he doesn't charge money. Um, and now, admittedly, they can they can link the podcast with what they do for a living, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, and so it just got me thinking, like you know, this has been pretty great. We're coming up on. It's a while off, but like we we're coming up on three hundred episodes, and then after that we're coming up on six years, mm-hmm. six years, yes, and uh, and that's it's crazy to think of, and sometimes you know it gets a little discouraging, but weekends like this help me to just be like, man, this is pretty great, and I did meet a couple of listeners, which was which was pretty awesome. Uh, Maria and Joe, thank you for approaching me. Uh, we had a I had a very nice conversation with you. Sorry I couldn't be there, Maria and Joe. I would have loved to have met you. Yeah, it was it was great, and so um, so that was that was my weekend, and it was it was really great. And then of course, once it was over, uh, I had hit the ground running with my job, but that was all right because it gave me a nice boost, and it was something that uh, you know, as I was driving home that first night. Because uh, I had hung out with, you know, I'd hung out with like Matt Belknap and, and Mike Schmidt, and I'd, I'd seen some shows, and it was just really great. Um, and as I was driving home, now maybe it was because I had only gotten a couple hours of sleep, but and I was kind of exhausted by the time I was driving home. But I, I felt almost emotional. I, I was feeling kind of emotional. I wasn't crying or anything, but I just felt like in that moment when you you get something that you didn't realize you needed and in that moment i realized like wow i don't think i realized just how much i needed this is kind of a, a an emotional shot in the arm it really boosted uh, my morale so let's let's see how this episode goes but thanks yeah. everybody for for listening um yeah if if your enthusiasm for this show is at all sim is at all similar to the enthusiasm that some of those fans showed um it, it's quite flattering indeed oh nicely put so um I want to say, yeah, I have been in a mood lately because because of my job being tough, and also last weekend while you were at the LA Podfest, I was supposed to have gone. Originally, was going to have gone to the um, San Francisco Comedy and Burrito Festival, also in its first year, mm-hmm. same weekend, and uh, things did not work out monetarily for me because it's been a rough summer for me monetarily, and that's part of why I'm depressed. Um, but I do want to say, like. Yeah, so sometimes I get down about the show and about how it's not making us uh, (laughs) any money, but that's... um, uh, Then I have to remind myself, like, I'm doing something that I love doing. It's actually gone remarkably well, Mm -hmm. way way better than I could have imagined. It doesn't cost us anything, thanks to our awesome listeners, awesome donations. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And, like, also I get, like... I know this sounds like bragging and I bring it up sometimes, but like I get to not, like not only see movies for free, but see them before they come out. You know, I've, I've seen cloud Atlas, which well, is, won't open for more than a week, for, uh, you know, from when this comes out. And I didn't, I didn't, not only did I see cloud Atlas, mm-hmm. uh, before it came out, I didn't have to pay and I got to go onto the Warner brothers lot to see it. Yeah. That's awesome. And then what's further awesome is that I'll get to talk about my opinions and write about my opinions and people that I don't know will not only listen to them, but, can engage with me on them, which is something Absolutely. that's very, very fun to have, to have this sort of, uh, community that, that uh, the podcast and the internet allow us and to be able to have discussions about film, which is the only thing I really enjoy talking about at any length. Um, uh, you know, with people all over the world, uh, it's, 
It's fantastic. It's very rewarding. I, and I just I just have to remind myself of that from time to time when I get depressed because I am prone to depression. Yeah, I, I do have to remind myself sometimes that, uh, and I'll get to the, some of the fans in a moment. But uh, you know, like we got to, like we know Lorraine Newman. I wouldn't even say that we've had her on the show. We have, but we know her now. Yeah, we know Stephen Tobolowsky. We know Stephen Tobolowsky. We know Maurice LaMarche. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Jimmy Pardo, Paula Tompkins. Like Paul Goble. People, Paul Go. Hey, absolutely. <laughs> well, Paul Goble. Like, I mean, yeah. It sounds like because we're like friends with him now, we can like bust his balls. <laughs> yeah. But like ten years ago. We watched him on TV. I've been saying 10 years ago for two years. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, 12 years ago or 11 years ago, I guess. We, yeah, we watched him weekly. Yeah. In Chicago when we lived together and didn't know anyone else. Yeah. And we watched (laughs) Comedy Central Presents. We saw Sean Cullen, got him. We saw Bill Dwyer. We know Bill Dwyer at this point, I would say. Mm -hmm. And it was just such a, it's, so that's been amazing. But then also like recently, uh, I've, I've found myself bored and I Skype with, and I keep late hours. Listeners may know that or not. Uh, so sometimes I feel a little lonely, and uh, but all my friends are asleep. So I could call up Mike Schmidt, but that's weird. So here's what I do. I go on Skype and I say, huh, hey, I recognize that listener who lives in Europe. I'm going to see what he's up to. And then out of nowhere, I talked to, like I just, like last week, I talked to a listener from the Netherlands uh, for like an hour. And is that person still going to listen? Yeah. Oh, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's been listening for, for four years. But I years. mean, is, are, 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 are your actions alienating our listeners? I don't think so. I am really jingoistic during my conversation. <laughs> uh, so, but oddly enough, he and I, he, he had initiated on Facebook, he had initiated, this is a, a different situation. A, a few weeks ago, I had talked with... Uh, I don't know if it's pronounced Ari, but uh, that's how it's spelled, A-R-I, and uh, that was a good conversation. But this one was initiated by him through Facebook about politics, and I was just like, hey, I got nothing to do. You want to Skype? And it was yeah. a lot of fun. So, good things. It's, yeah. it's, and, and, and then, of course, the, the listeners that I got to meet in uh, New Zealand. I mean, like... Oh, and they sent us the Tim Tams. They sure did. Um... Oh, I, did, I don't have it in front of me. So Matthew was the one, the guy that you met. Yes. And then I think, uh, who was in New Zealand, I think Dan was the guy in Australia. Okay. Uh, who also sent us um, Tim Tams. Um, Tim Tam, singular. No, it's Tim Tams. I thought people said it was... Uh... No, I was saying Tim Tam, and I got corrected. Oh, okay. All right. I was saying Tim Tam is great, Tim Tam this, and, and I was corrected. Oh, okay. All right. Maybe I misread the, the correction. Um, uh... Two weeks ago is when we got into the Tim Tams. I have two Tim Tams left out of the three packages that I had. Okay. The caramel ones were the first to go. All right. Because they are amazing. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, I've looked into, like, places around, like, it seems like Cost Plus or World Market. I don't know. People refer to it as both things. Carry Tim Tams. Apparently, also, the concession stand at the Landmark Theater on Pico has Tim Tams. Huh. Uh, I, that's what I, I haven't been there since I read this in the past two weeks. But that's well, you I can't. Read. I mean, you can't. You can't order Tim Tams when you go see a movie because you will not be focusing on the film. <laughs> You'll just be like, "That movie was delicious." Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say this though. All right. Okay. Tim Tams, particularly the caramel ones. Oh man. Anyway have more than lived up to the reputation that you gave them. All right. The Tim Tam Slam, however, a bit overrated. What is that? That's the thing you 
uh, that would talk about where you. Oh, that. Okay. I never, I never did it. Overrated, you say? Here's the thing. You get one good pull, and, it, uh, and it's delicious. You I'm drink sure. your coffee through the thing, it's delicious. But that's a hot beverage moving through chocolate. It immediately starts to melt in your oh, hands. Oh, I'm sure. Like, fall apart in your hands. Yeah. I just had to shove the whole thing in my mouth like, because I was getting chocolate. Like everywhere. alien blood going through a boot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly so. what it's like. Um, so, uh, I guess, listeners uh, down under and environs, um, tell me if I'm doing the Tim Tam Slam incorrectly, but it, it did not live up to its reputation. Maybe it's all about that first one. Yeah, maybe, but yeah. I don't like... Here's the thing. I don't like having melted chocolate on my fingers. I hear you. I do not like that sensation. Yeah. I don't like having melted anything on my, on my hands. Okay, so here's the thing. So, we've drawn this out a little bit. Uh, David, are you in a slightly better mood now? Hopefully, a little bit. Not okay. Uh, I'm I'm doing a good job of masking it because oh, okay. we've been doing this for uh, almost for more than five and a half years. Yeah. So I kind of I kind of know how to fake my way through it. Yeah, I, but I am actually still in a I'm still in a pretty shitty mood. Oh, okay, all right. I was trying to I was I was trying before we got into the topic. I was trying to like focus on good things so that maybe you could cheer up a little bit. But uh, <laughs> but oh well, that's fine. We can get into it anyway. But first things first. Uh, a couple of things. Number one, there is. A new member, a new ship in the BP podcasting fleet. It is the sequel cast. Uh, as you can assume from the name, they pick a franchise and discuss every film in that franchise. Uh, sometimes they it. get a little creative. Like, for example, they picked everything in the Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith View Askew universe. That means, sure. of course, Jersey Girl is out. It means Red State is out. But everything within that universe... I mean, I, aside from Clerks 2, they're not technically speaking sequels, but they are part of one franchise. And so um, I've been on there, uh, I think, once or twice to talk about huh. um, the Tim Burton's Batman and now, then uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Oh. Now, can I say this... Or was it just the animated series? It might have been the animated series. Sorry. This addition to the fleet has been in the works for some time. It right? has, yes. And I, the reason I say that is because there are people who have... Uh, very good podcasts who have written to us and like asked and we said we're not taking any new right you know we want to grow the ones we have so i don't want those people if they're listening now to be to feel like they were yeah. have been shunned or overlooked we're still, we, we aren't taking any new uh applications right. <laughs> at the moment this and is something that has been in the works since before i we started denying people and there was another podcast uh, called cue the day that we were gonna that we were gonna have and they were they had put out a few episodes and it was a good product and i liked it, it really, a lot and really uh was. well produced I, I and but it just uh kind of fell out i think uh the the hosts had i, I think uh different visions of what the show was going to be and so i think it wound huh. up not happening but uh as far as i know they're still working on it so the day may come when that happens but uh, we had to move on from them for the time being but sequel cast yeah. you can go and listen to it uh, the first episode under our banner is uh, is available right now in which they discuss the uh, tv movies and miniseries based on stephen king books it's one episode so it's a special Mm-hmm. Um, and they uh, they talk about that. So of course they talk about the stand and it and the Langoliers and the Tommyknockers. I would assume. Did I read? Isn't someone working on a theatrical uh, adaptation of it? Yes. Who? It's a name that I know. Who's... I don't remember who it is. Ah, but, damn uh, it. Yeah, I was looking uh, it, as I was looking up uh, images to post for uh, for that blog post. I of course was looking up Pennywise, mm-hmm. the dancing clown, and. Uh, 
despite it being Tim Curry, an actor that I'm very familiar with and I and I like, uh, creepy as hell that that Pennywise. Like yeah. I don't know what it is. Like there's something very the, the makeup is very simple. It's not like it's. Uh, I don't know. It's not very complex. It's just a white face, red nose, and red hair, and bald on top, and that's it. And yet, it's in the performance. It's in the performance, but and it, sometimes he has scary teeth. Sometimes he has scary teeth, but also it is as I've said before. And you know what? Damn, damn it, tweaked. Got a good flow going. Talking so this about is going to get us right into the yeah. topic. So let's pause and talk about tweaked. Okay, tweakedaudio.com is where you get um, uh, professional level earbuds. Um, in a variety of uh, styles and colors at a very affordable price made even more affordable when you go through the tweakedaudio.com slash pretension mm-hmm. portal. Absolutely. Sure you get a third off and free shipping. It's awesome. Yeah. And uh, special thanks to uh, old classmates of mine, John Guy and Adam Mantuan for making a little uh, video advertisement for uh, tweakedaudio.com slash pretension. It's so cool. It's, it's a lot of fun. And, oh. uh, Kerry Fukunaga is the one who's working on it, who did okay. Jane Eyre and... Um, oh, nice. Uh, what was the one he did before? They got him all the... It's on the tip of my tongue. Because I keep wanting to say El Norte, but it's not El Norte. That means the North, and that means yeah. they came out in the 80s, I think. Um, and it I started the woman started the woman who shot Selena. Not the woman who played the woman who shot Selena. Uh, Lupe Ontiveros, Ontiveros, who uh, died recently. Recently, recently passed away. Um, R.I.P. She was great. Okay. Anyway, that's El Norte... The movie he made, I can't think of the name because I always get it confused. Well, can't you look it up on your phone there? I mean, you... I'm getting... I always get bad uh, reception in your... Uh, uh, it's pretty bad here. In yes, your, I'm sorry. Uh, apartment. So, yes. Tweakedaudio.com slash pretension. Sin nombre is what it is. Oh, okay. I heard good things about that. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's get into it, shall we? Absolutely. As you probably heard from, I imagine, the uh, theme song. That's right. Um, it's the same one as last year. I can't. Yes. I can't buy all the. I can't buy all new effects. By the way, this is like, this is like in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure when they um, say, uh, "When we get out of jail, we'll hide the keys to the jail inside the jail cell, so we can let ourselves out of jail." It's this little time paradox thing, uh, and it works. So I have to remind you right now to email me the theme. Oh, that don't worry. I've been. Th- <laughs> I'm so. My pride in building that theme as carried over from last year uh-huh. and i'm like he better freaking remember to put that theme at the beginning because last year yeah. you did not and i was uh <laughs> and i was furious because i spent a long time and easily six dollars uh <laughs> buying each individual sound effect because i built that thing it was a little story it's a dark and stormy night uh-huh. creaky door walking into i don't know a castle or something and then uh, somebody quietly walking along and then here comes a monster or something i don't know I didn't, way, I didn't visualize it, but uh, and then a loud oh, scream, and then there's our music. I can't wait to play it um, for my dog, because I have learned that, uh, according to my girlfriend, when she's driving in the car on the way to or from work or, or, or where have you, and she puts on an episode of Battleship Retention, the Battleship Retention theme song causes my dog to howl. Really? Yeah. And there are certain things to do that. Um, one time we were at a Pitfire Pizza, mm-hmm. uh, uh, an establishment that we frequent because it's walking distance to our apartment and, and uh, super dog friendly. Mm-hmm. And they had some live jazz out on the patio. And every time the saxophonist would start play, Jack would start howling along. And then just the other night, I started watching. I started watching a movie. I tried to. Uh, this is. I used to always watch movies in pieces, and I'm sort of like getting back into that because my 
schedule is so busy you, sometimes now. Sometimes you have to. So I started a movie days ago, and then this week got so busy that I like I'm 45 minutes in and haven't been able to move forward. But this uh, Japanese movie called On Miyoji, which is so cool so okay. far. Um, but there's a character who plays the flute. And it's like the middle of the night, and I'm watching this movie, and the dog's on the couch next to me, and then he starts in this very high pitch, like he's trying to match the tone of the flute, huh. starts howling. Wow. It's like one o'clock in the morning, and he's yeah, howling. Yeah, I bet nobody appreciated that. <laughs> and it wasn't, Except it, you. It actually wasn't as loud, because it was so high pitched, it wasn't uh, yeah. as loud as it would, you'd think. Hmm. But um, anyway, spe- uh, howling dogs, howl, you know. Uh, howl at the moon, you know. Howl at the moon. Scary things. Yeah, children, <laughs> children of the night. Um, uh, what music they make. So we're going to get into it, shall we? We're going to get into uh, a discussion of horror movies, but it's not going to be in true Battleship Pretension fashion. We're going to take all the fun right out of it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you scared? Let me explain why you shouldn't be. Yeah, because I mean, we've done we've done fun. All right. Have we done uh, a Halloween episode every year? Yes. Could you name all of our topics? The first one was... The first uh, one was werewolves and vampires. Werewolves versus vampires. I don't remember what the second one was. I don't remember any of them other than Okay, that. we had Pat Francis on once just okay. to talk about our favorite horror movies. Okay. That might have been the second year, but I don't know. I don't think it was. Um, or maybe it was by that time. And then we had Fade on to talk about, uh, like, psychological. Know, oh, it wound up being a lot That of was things. last year, yeah, yeah. That was more like, yeah. No, last year was... Oh, with Scott. With Scott. That's right. The topic of which I do not recall. Okay. But, yeah. So... Okay, so yeah, I don't know what we've done, and I don't think we've done this before, um, but it's been fresh oh, in our minds in recent you months. You know what? Yes? I'm sorry. No, it's I remember, because okay. uh, I remember being so pleased with it. It was your idea, so here you go. And it was like the different types of, the different types of horror, like I think spiritual versus uh, physical horror. Oh, okay. Na- I think natural versus supernatural. Natural versus how, supernatural, how thank you. Yes, yes. yes. That, was, that was fun. Yeah. All right. Um, anyway. So I don't think we've done this before, but uh, it's been fresh in our minds in recent months because of the release of uh, uh, Drew Goddard's Cabin in the Woods. Right. Um, we want to talk about deconstructionist horror films. Yes. It is, it is a genre that is particularly interested in talking about itself. It's, it insists upon itself, which is a little phrase that Mike Schmidt and I enjoyed saying over and over this weekend for no, for no particular reason. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... Uh, here's... Okay. Well, uh, w- yeah, we'll jump right into it because this is, w- this is where it started. Uh, so in the spirit of Halloween, over at More Than One Lesson, we did a couple of episodes uh, related to horror movies. The first episode was about Cabin in the Woods. The second episode was about The Mist. Hmm. Uh, Interesting thing, the response to that first episode wound up being odd and not at all what I expected. Um, I got some spiritual responses, uh, some like Christian responses to it that I was not expecting. Uh, th- but it's a very standard Christian response. I hate to oh, put it so that way. So you should have been expecting it. Not from the person that I got it from, I'll oh. say that. Um, but yeah, and uh, but that's all right. It, it wound up being a perfectly nice, uh, you know, Facebook debate. Um, but then, so so this person had you know Christian uh, objections to the film. Somebody else on the uh, comment section of the website, the More Than One Lesson website, um, and it, it was a perfectly fine discussion as well. But uh, he said that he would much rather watch a movie that is genuinely scary 
and it just a just a good straight ahead straightforward mm-hmm. pardon me, straightforward horror movie than a film that asks me about me the viewer asks me about horror and and explores these things and maybe maybe almost kind of takes me to task for liking these things he'd much rather a film just you know it's like it's that uh who was it godard who talked about like uh the best type of film criticism is to make another film is that what it was perhaps just to be clear though you're not talking about drew goddard who made yeah, the oh, Woods. You're talking yeah, about, yeah. <laughs> about, yeah i uh, forgot about that yeah jean luc godard yeah jean luc godard yeah the, like who made weekend yes not andrew hayes no, weekend right. that came out last year the 1960 something weekend um <laughs> uh, we're very pleased with ourselves so yeah it's uh so it is one of those things where it's like oh okay do you want you want to uh deconstruct horror you want to uh kind of hold up a mirror to the genre and talk about how it's uh rampant with cliches and and uh is really you know kind of trite and well-worn then uh just make a better horror movie or, or make one that re-energizes those cliches mm-hmm. and there you go why do you have to make a movie that ex- like the time and resources that you took and and put into making this type of movie that is film criticism in the form of a film uh you could have put that into just making a straightforward horror movie now of course i don't agree with him but that is i think an, an idea worth exploring um, what do you what do you think of that? Because I, I can see the argument for it. Um, uh, yeah, I guess. Um, I I, no, I think there's room for both. You know, uh, that was my first response: was why choose? Yeah, because uh, I, I my mind suddenly goes to um, sitcoms and the way that um, some sitcoms. Uh, We've seen things like was it the so I guess early '90s? There was a It's Gary Shandling show, which was a yeah. sitcom about a guy who was on a sitcom. Yeah, um, not the Larry Sanders show, which was about a late night host. Right. But there was It's It's Gary Shandling show, um, which had the the theme song was This is the theme to the Gary, Gary Shandling. Yeah, yeah, this is the theme to Gary show. Um, uh, but then you've also got things like uh, you know it's not as great as it was at the beginning but modern family which i think is uh a show that if you look at uh on its in its first couple seasons when it was really good and it's actually been this fourth season has been pretty strong out the gate but anyway that's beside the point um if you look at on paper the storylines of modern family they're they're very similar the premises are very similar Mm -hmm. to um standard sitcom premises you know uh pregnancies and miscommunications and like uh oh we're like stranded somewhere or we're you know stuck with each other the kind of thing you've seen on a billion sitcoms um but it would breathe new life into them and i think that's maybe the kind of thing that you're talking about just making a a horror film i'm trying to think of a, a recent example of something like that i mean i think uh as as you all know i'm all about the innkeepers which is yeah which um, i still haven't seen oh you gotta watch it well it just came up on uh, netflix watch instant and if my uh tv were not in houston being repaired thanks westinghouse um then i would probably (laughs) have watched it in the last couple weeks 
Now, uh, but I mean, that's you know, not a that's a classic horror film. It's a you know haunted house movie or a haunted mm-hmm. hotel movie um, that manages to be uh, completely new and exciting. Yeah, uh, because it tells the story maybe from a slightly different perspective. But that's you know what's interesting is that any any uh, any film genre can be any film can be deconstructive of its of its genre um but there is something very specific about horror yeah that it will become funny there will be laughs in it i mean you mentioned the innkeepers people comment about how it is often quite funny very funny cabin in the woods is almost more comedy than horror yeah. uh behind the mask scream uh, a movie that i really like called drag me to hell i think is a little deconstructionist and there's never seen i have it you should borrow it I don't have that kind of time. I know you I don't. I can't even get through on Miyoji. So well, I watched it on, that, on Monday. You got that howling dog. You can't yeah. be watching it at 2 a.m. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, and so like this, and maybe that's the problem. Maybe maybe people just assume that because there are laughs, knowing laughs, that maybe uh, the film thinks that it's better than the horror genre, and maybe they feel like it's being somehow disrespectful. And I don't think that's... Um true generally although i do feel that, that is to a certain extent true of cabin in the woods it might be yeah uh or at least it maybe it does maybe cabin in the woods doesn't think it's better than the genre but it does think it's smarter than its audience possibly uh, in my opinion it came the, across as there it seemed like there was a certain smugness to the way that it uh the companion film on my episode was funny games by the way <laughs> which is yeah and that's definitely a strident film funny games strident well done. um but uh uh, but I like that one. Whereas, just Kevin in the Woods just seems so self self satisfied to me. It was a big, a big part of. Basically, it wasn't pointing out anything to me that uh, other films you've mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. I, I think, hadn't already addressed, and it was very full of itself about it. In my opinion, that's that's why I didn't I, like the film. I think much. it is absolutely. Um, holding the audience's feet to the flame about the things that they demand of their art, and uh, I'm actually okay with that. Oddly enough, it's uh, in the same sense that I'm okay with it in funny games. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess it's, it's just a, a matter of preference. But just, but that's the thing. Just because, I mean, in funny games, by the way, we're talking about it as if it's an uh, you know, uh, I don't know, also ran or whatever to the category. It, Home Invasion is a kind of horror movie, and oh, yeah. I think Funny Games should actually count as a deconstructive horror movie. Oh, absolutely. I think it's... I consider it to be a bit more, um, you know, thriller or suspense, but frankly, like, they they, they play on the same emotions yeah. uh, in yeah, the yeah. audience, so I think I think it counts. Um, and it's sort of like... Um, I mean, if if The Strangers with Liv Tyler and Scott... Was that Scott Speedman? Scott Speedman, yeah. If that's a horror movie, then Funny yeah. Games is... The Strangers. It's, yeah, it's did like you see all the you Strangers? Got, no, I didn't. I you I didn't think, like it. You thought it was too bare bones, right? Is that why I didn't like it? I might be confusing it with somebody else. I just thought it was um, not. There wasn't enough humanism. Maybe it's my stomach, you know, for that sort of thing. It just seemed like you thought it reveled in it a little bit. Yeah, maybe it, it, it enjoyed um, making its characters suffer a little more than I than I would have liked. Uh, because I don't think it's a poorly made film. I just right. like it. It just 
Well, and compared to something like Struck Funny Games, off. I mean that that very much is that's very in your in your words that's very humanistic. Like it's like you are always very aware of what the the victims are, yeah, are yeah. feeling and and thinking. Um, but yeah, it's and that's the thing is is you movies like Scream are often quite funny and uh, Behind the Mask is quite yeah. funny. But that's the thing is I feel like not unlike when uh, in Jaws, which is a horror movie by the way, Jerks. Stop saying adventure. Anyway, it bothers me. So many people say it's an adventure film or like an action film. And it's like, no, like, watch that first scene. It's terrifying. Get, watch Jaws and then go take a swim in the ocean. It's a horror movie. Ugh. Sorry. I guess it could be both, but yeah. I, I guess I've always thought of it as a horror movie. Yeah, me too. And then uh, you'll see it uh, listed in... Uh, like at video stores and stuff, action adventure. And then is it because fa- it's bright so much during the movie? I think so. I think, <laughs> you know, and just, uh, and actually I was talking with, uh, friend of the show, uh, Wayne Fetterman at the, uh, pod fest. And he was talking about, uh, not liking John Williams musicals, uh, choice in jaws during the, uh, the, the third act when, uh-huh. when they're like going after the shark and there's like a, a whimsy to it, a, uh-huh. you know, uh, Spielberg called it kind of a pirate song. <laughs> um, and it's like, well, it's Quint. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. he's a, he's an old salt and, and he's enjoying this. And so I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that. But, uh, but anyway, so I'm going I'm to put a pin in that, uh, brightness discussion. Remember if we okay. get back to that. And so, um, but anyway, so in, in, uh, Jaws, there's a, uh, a moment where like the first time you really, the first time you really see the shark, like in any kind of meaningful way is when he kills the, uh, when it kills the, um, like the troop leader or something. Uh, the guy who's like in a little rowboat and, uh, when Brody's son almost dies. Um, but, uh, it's been too long since I've seen Jaws. Yeah. You briefly see the head stick out of the water and you're like, Oh wow, that's a big shark. But you, it's just for, it's for the briefest of moments. Mm -hmm. The, the first time the shark really presents itself is, right before you know you're going to need a bigger boat and brody he says you know he's like he's talking to quint and he's mm-hmm. like slow ahead i can slow ahead why don't you come down here and chum chum, chum some of this shit <laughs> and he just says it you know and uh roy scheider has a, a way of making things funny and there and there's plenty of laughs uh you know with richard dreyfus and and that sort of thing and the fact that there's a little chuckle right before the shark shows up, like you kind of choke, it makes you choke on your laughter a little bit. Like it to the point now where like it's become kind of a, it's pre- become a pretty standard thing that in horror movies, laughter is a kind of release and it provides yeah. you with a, a feeling of comfort and relief. And it's usually in those moments that you, that they'll throw in a scare. Yeah. And so having a, having a film that is, that is purposefully scary as a way of kind of ingratiating itself to you, uh, that's that's a perfectly reasonable thing. And if it's doing that as a function of the tropes, then I don't think there's anything wrong with with having uh, a thing that a film that is that is funny. I think you know, Cabin in the Woods is what what prompted this discussion, and that is a film that I think is comedy drama, uh, comedy horror. I mean, it's there are so many genuine comedic laughs that have nothing to do with the tropes you know between bradley whitford and richard that Jenkins. opening scene is i was so <laughs> excited for the movie yeah um are you even listening to me bam cabin in the and by the way did you not did you think of the opening of funny games the way the 
just how big the lettering was yeah. and it was like this yeah and suddenly these, blo- like these big music. block letters yeah yeah um and yeah if you, you guys haven't if at home if you haven't seen funny games uh, I, i'm assuming he did the same thing in the american remake but the just the opening secret just watch the opening until the title comes up <laughs> Dude, i'm sure it's it's got to be on youtube it's so much fun yeah um anyway uh oh i wanted to talk about the brightness okay. thing uh to talk about another film that is to, to go back to your idea of it doesn't have to be like literally deconstructionist um to comment on things yeah. and uh i think uh brad anderson's session nine which is a, a terrifying movie still never saw it uh takes place almost entirely in in daylight mm-hmm. uh i don't know if you know do you know the story i don't it's uh there's an uh an abandoned sort of derelict uh mental hospital oh. and there's this team that's essentially been the, assigned to go in and like clean all the asbestos out of it before they I don't know they're going to like refurbish it or just knock it down but they got to get all the dangerous materials out mm-hmm. and while they're in there you know some spooky shit happened in this mental hospital and there might still be spiritual remnants hmm. uh anyway um I heard good things about it but but they work you know they don't work nights they go there in the morning and they work all day yeah and most of it like they're even though they, there's no electricity in the place the windows are, are open and then occasionally you know they have to string up some lights and then there's a remarkable sequence of those lights being shut off by god knows what uh but anyway i feel like that's that's a deliberately almost postmodern choice to set a a horror film in in the daylight like and that. that's the thing anytime i mean when you think about it anytime you choose to deviate from the the cliches and i, I don't even mean to say i'll say tropes because cliche sounds too negative um anytime you choose to deviate from those that could be considered kind of a, a postmodern choice poltergeist taking place in the suburbs as uh, opposed sure, to yeah. an old dark house yeah. you know uh, off in the countryside like that's it, that and the idea and what that is saying is that these horrors can exist in the places where we are most comfortable as well like that's it's it's you it's it's using its deviation deviance no deviation from the norm to comment on that norm yeah yeah and say it's not just that side about poltergeist Mm -hmm. um the neighborhood in poltergeist is was not built on an indian burial burial ground right it was a cemetery they moved the headstones but they left the bodies yes i feel like so many times i've heard people refer to poltergeist as indian burial ground no that's not what it is is the shining Oh, okay. oh, the Overlook Hotel was built on an Indian burial ground. Oh, I didn't know that. No, that's what he... Uh, I know because I rewatched it last weekend because uh, I'm in the in the Halloween mood. Um, and that's what uh, the guy who gives them the tour okay. uh, says. And says it with a complete smile on his face. You know what? There's another movie. I hadn't seen it in quite a while. There's a lot of laughs in The Shining. There's oh, some yeah. very funny stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, you got Nicholson hamming it up. I mean, that'll yeah. probably do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good. That's a movie that. Uh, okay, obviously Paul Thomas Anderson Anderson doesn't make horror movies, but with oh, can you imagine with, if he did? I would love it. I would uh, love it, but especially with the master and there will be blood. He's 
really good at uh, he gets compared to Kubrick in a lot of ways that are completely warranted um he is very influenced uh by the way he presents things you know in their uh, grandeur and that I guess that you know the length of lenses he uses anyway uh, but one thing about Kubrick that Paul Thomas Anderson also has is the ability to have things be very serious and very funny at the same time yeah you know like you know remember Daniel Plainview draping the napkin over his face before talking like it's really weird and funny yeah but it's also uh you know a a, tell, a telling moment you mm-hmm. know and in in the shining when jack when uh jack torrance is like uh i'm not gonna hurt you i'm not gonna hurt you i'm just gonna bash your fucking brains in <laughs> it's like terrifying and funny oh yeah yeah uh, darkly funny uh anyway where was i going with this where was where what were we talking about? Uh, oh, let's see. making okay. choices. Yeah, uh, this isn't a movie, but um, uh, now uh, brace yourselves here. I'm going to spoil the first scene of the first episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay, here, uh, oh, which man. you have seen. I showed it to you before. Did you? Um, and I have no I think, memory for it. And I think now that we know what Buffy is, uh, you probably can see the turn coming a million miles away. You you did show this to me. Yes. Uh, but I think if you know if you would never if you didn't know much about the show if you just knew oh this is a vampire show. It starts with two teenage kids, a boy and a girl, breaking into the high school and like to like make out, mm-hmm. and they're breaking in, and the girl's like, "Are we gonna get caught?" It's like this is you know, this is scary. Are you sure no one's gonna find us? And the and the guy's sort of like all predatory in a sexual way. He's like, "Come on, let's go, uh, let's go up to the roof and make out or whatever," you know. And she's all sort of <laughs> that's innocent. Good. That's good scripting. Yeah, and she's all uh, you know the the innocent, and then you hear something, and she goes, "What was that?" And and he looks and he's like, oh, it's nothing. There's nothing there. And she's like, you sure? And he's like, yeah, we're alone. And she's like, good. And then she turns it. She turns into a vampire mm-hmm. and kills him. And again, yeah, it would be these days. It's it's pretty and, standard. And just, just but knowing what Buffy is, I think uh, you would uh, see that coming. But I think at the time that was very much something that is. Again, not as Joss Whedon would later do with Kevin in the Woods, very specifically pointing a finger mm. at things, you know, and slamming his finger onto the text and saying, look at this. Mm. Uh, he's still very much commenting on, on things just, oh, by, yeah. just by changing it. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so, yeah, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, almost anything can be deconstructionist. I mean, if, if well... Yes, almost anything can. Often it is not mm-hmm. precisely because it chooses horror often chooses to embrace the clichés not not ironically and not not that I'm a big fan of irony, but like not and not even really in a quality way. They just recognize what it is. That's that's one of the reasons I'm okay with Cabin in the Woods is that like it's you know, it's not criticizing the good ones. It's criticizing the th- the fourth film in a series, <laughs> which at this point is like, we know what you want. Yeah. We yeah. don't need to do anything more. And um, there you go. Now, uh, there's a couple of things I want to get to. Now we've mentioned scream and behind the mask. I want to get into both of those yeah, we will. in a second. Um, cause those are, I think the two sort of pillars of this sub sub genre that we're talking about here. But I want to talk about something we uh, sort of opened with. Um, I mean, after our 20 minutes of, bullshit um here's what i like given the 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 theme the the halloween theme that we put out there uh 
I like that it's just like, oh, this is very scary. And then that leading into our uh, theme that makes your dog howl, like, uh-huh. it's just like, oh, man, this is pretty intense. And then it's just us. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing scary about that. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe there is. Ooh. Um, uh, there's a few things I want to talk about. But I want to talk about why there are, I, I mentioned that it is a genre that seems to love to talk about itself. Mm-hmm. Um, why there are these kind of movies. And you mentioned this idea of... Uh, irony or no irony and like mm. I, I think horror seems to me uh, maybe above any other genre of cinema to really inspire devotion you know uh, people um and this came up just recently on uh i want to say it was the rope of silicon podcast i listen to a lot of movie podcasts so sometimes i forget and i'm sorry if i'm getting it wrong but i think they were talking about is horror the most obsessive uh, nerd genre and I think it kind of is because I think it just inspires a certain type of uh, of uh, nerd or geek um, who, who 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 loves things uh, unironically but also is ironically aware of the lack of irony and what I'm trying to get to here is that there's a lot of crossover between uh, fans of horror and fans of heavy metal. Hmm. Um, yeah. and heavy metal is something that is often, especially you get into things like, uh, you know, the death, death metal and black metal. Uh, like it's ridiculous. Yeah. And, uh, fans of true, like big fans of heavy metal are, uh, I think there are a lot of people who dismiss heavy metal. Don't under don't get that the band's, writing these ridiculous lyrics are mostly in on it mm-hmm. but it's not a joke either like they know it's ridiculous but they also don't find it funny they're not it's not joking around it's serious and ridiculous at the same time yeah and uh um and i feel like horror is often the same kind of thing um and that's why uh there still are these like non-ironic just very earnest classic style horror films you know i talked about not liking the strangers very much but uh, around that same time maybe the the prior year there was a movie called vacancy that i thought was great i never saw Uh, it i thought was just a really really good uh good time at the movies and it was essentially it was also a couple you know being terrorized in the woods (laughs) essentially in in the strangers they're at a home in the woods and vacancy they're at a motel uh it's essentially the same uh the same approach, uh, but I, I, I just, uh, I really in, enjoy that. And, um, another movie that I don't know if it's thought of as horror, but Joyride, uh, Oh, okay. Yeah. It has definitely has elements of, of horror. Oh, absolutely. Serial killer, stalker, slasher type of elements. Uh, Ted Levine. Uh, yeah. Uh, and that's also a movie that is completely forthright, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, and is, uh, uh, a delight. And I, and I think, uh, uh, well, we've talked about how we think Joy. We both think it's underrated. Uh, I, well, yeah, in the sense that people don't know about it, and everybody should because it's great. It's like not merely underrated, but it's just like why does like it almost makes me mad, <laughs> right? That like, it's not considered a modern day classic of the of the genre. Yeah, like and, and uh, people like people might arrive at it as a function of Steve Zahn maybe or Paul Walker but like that that might be it but I think Paul Walker might have been part of the reason people stayed away from it at the time maybe yeah because what was he known for at the time was he in was he in like Varsity Blues 
Was he in that? He was in Varsity Blues. He was in. Had he been in Fast and the? Uh, he yeah. He would have been in the first Fast and the Furious yeah, yeah. by that point, right? Was he in Varsity Blues? I don't know. He's in Pleasantville. Okay, I know that. I'm sure he was in something like Varsity. Yeah, Blues. yeah. That's a, that is a that is a crappy movie. Have you ever seen that? Uh, not for a long time. Oh, that one is not worth your time. Um. Anyway, uh, you know who's in that right. movie? In Varsity Blues, yeah, James Vanderbeek, John Boyd. <laughs> yeah, he's in it too. Um. Anyway, I think I might have exhausted my point about the uh, ironic movies uh, or unironic movies. Yeah, and I wanted to. I don't know. Like it's. I appreciate when when people take something seriously, uh, you know. But when you think about it, like. I don't know why people, and don't get me wrong, I'm talking about myself 10 years ago, maybe even more recently than that. Like, because so many of a specific type of person, I'm sorry to put it that way, uh, enjoy, like, love horror movies, uh-huh. uh, I think the more snobbish uh, among us are are reluctant to embrace it as legitimate. Like, it's like, okay, well, you got your... You got your Shining, you got your Rosemary's Baby, you got your Exorcist. Uh-huh. Um, if you feel like slumming a little bit, you got The Omen, uh, and then you've got Nosferatu. Like you, you've got it, right? It's yeah. And then maybe Alien, but now we're dipping into sci-fi. Uh, you got Psycho, um, but that's kind of it. You have really maybe ten that you will allow yourself to embrace as like quality films. Um. And so, like, and I know that I was like that for a long time. I just thought, like, oh, horror, well, it's all about, it's, it's only about this. It's a very easy genre to, to be uh, reductive of. Um, but when you think about it, like, like you said, the idea of, well, this is silly, but we, we are taking it seriously. Yeah, which I, I thought of another example, by the way. Okay. Uh, there's not, maybe not as much crossover but it's definitely some crossover between horror fans and fans of uh professional wrestling oh absolutely and there's a thing there um and i'm gonna get the pronunciation and maybe even the definition wrong but there's this idea called of kayfabe you know what that is no uh and i've heard it pronounced different ways so i might be saying it wrong but it's k-a-y-f-a-b-e and it basically deals with the idea that the the shit that happens off the stage you know the interviews yeah. with the um with the the wrestlers you know that it's like you know when you watch that it's like scripted and it's part of the story yeah but you and the performers and everyone else have sort of entered into this unspoken agreement to treat it like it's the real thing uh and that is loosely again if you're a pro wrestling fan and i'm getting the specifics of the definition of kayfabe or the pronunciation wrong then write me and let me know but that seems like the general idea and i think that's it's the same thing with heavy metal it's the same thing with horror and, you know, but the thing is, like, it's the same thing with a lot of genres, but people don't say it. People don't acknowledge it. You know, when you think about it, comic book movies are silly, all right? A guy dressing up like a bat to scare criminals. Like, if a criminal saw a guy dressed like a bat, it's like, okay. Now, admittedly, he would disarm them, like, emotionally, because they'd just be like, what? what? <laughs> like, they'd be confused, and then he could punch them. But, like, doing that... And then, like, the Hulk is silly. Yeah. Thor is silly. 
but we take it seriously because the the filmmakers have chosen to do that, and because the films would so- sometimes will wear their theme on their sleeve a little bit, and and, and for I some reason we're okay with we're okay with that. That's I think legit. I, I have an idea why that okay. I've just formulated now. So okay, well let's nothing, let's but that's, let's. That's what let's the, spend twenty minutes talking that's what about. Five and a half years of the show <laughs> is mostly based on or, or yeah. opinions that we have come up with in the moment. Um, but horror is further out on the fringe, and I think speaks to things that are as primal as the things in in superhero movies, mm. but that are a little more shameful, maybe. Um, okay. Like with with superhero movies, yes, it's silly, but they're getting out there. They're uh, fighting for what's for what's right they are moral and just and they can fly sometimes they have these power they're like things there's so much positive things that we like about our aspirations right whereas uh horror even um you know the most humanistic horror films still expect you to some degree to identify with the darker impulses that's part of what makes it scary yeah. is not just that you identify with jimmy lee curtis but also the, with michael myers well and this uh, oh, and, and, and so I, I think that's maybe why some people have a tougher time like uh, i think that's a um it's sort of like uh, and again we're getting into my own personal beliefs but you know you hear some people say like uh under no circumstances could i ever shoot and kill someone you know uh and I think there's a certain segment of the population who says who's maybe in touch enough with the <laughs> the primal like lizard brain that goes, you know, if my life were in danger and it came to that, oh, yeah. I probably would. And I think that that type of person who understands that about themselves, uh, and you know what, I'm, I could be being mean. Maybe there are people who really truly could never kill a person. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's and it's something that's a, a part of us. The, the self-preservation, you know, uh, uh, instinct. Anyway, but I think the people who are more comfortable with that fact about themselves are maybe also more comfortable with the parts of their uh, uh, psyche that horror films tap into. Yeah, I mean, that's... That's, that, that's why this, we get back to this heavy metal music. That's why so much of that is about uh, murder and, you know, dismemberment and well, Satan worship. But when you think about it, like, when is the last time? And there, I'm not saying there aren't movies, aren't horror movies that are like this. Um, but, like, when was the last time you saw a, a horror movie that was genuinely good and was very good at what it did, but it was content to merely, to, to merely be that? And there's nothing wrong with being that. But, like, just being base and, and just appealing to our base instincts... And then that's all. Oh, like just trying to be scary and not just trying to be scary, else. which is which is a perfectly you know it, like if it's scary and it's using that emotion in uh, you to re- so that you can relate to the main character, like that's know, okay. This is going to get back to our promised future episode of uh, intentional versus unintentional themes. Okay, but I don't think that's possible. I think that something's going to come through about the filmmaker, about the time, or whatever. That I don't think it's possible to just aim to scare and not say something and i actually kind of agree okay um and that's and that is where we actually interact intersect with uh the other uh argument the christian argument against horror movies which is you know people say you know well it's just it's it's all base you know it's, mm-hmm. it, it's all exploitative it's it's those two things are not by the way exactly the same though people tend to associate the two but and like, also those, like those two things aren't necessarily bad 
I think. I think exploitative by a, it can be. It's easier for that to be bad, and it's. I think you need to be a bit more careful. If you're going to be exploitative, you need to be a little bit more careful. Um, I, I, I think there can be a safe. It's sort of like I keep comparing movies to other things, but sort of like um, bondage or S and M or like. Mm-hmm. You know, domination in 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 a in a sexual arena. Mm-hmm. Um, it is there are you know elements of degradation and disrespect on display, but it's all under an uh, a mutual agreement. And I think expo- uh, exploitation can be can be fine if it takes place under that sort of. Uh, rubric and I guess I, I I look in terms of motivation like I think uh, I tend to think that exploitation um, the, as the way I define it, it there tends to be a certain degree of cynicism behind it in that like it's like I will give you this thing that you seem to think you want and I will appeal to something that probably socially shouldn't be appealed to so that I can get some money from you not so that I, I, I can engage with you. Uh, I think about that's, that thing. that's the literal definition definition of the word exploitation. Yeah. But I think exploitation cinema has different. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about uh, Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song is a black exploitation film. You didn't but, say that with nearly enough A's. <laughs> uh, sorry, wait, no, it's S's. Badass. A, it's badass. Oh, okay. That makes um, no sense. It's Damn a, great, it, Van it's a great movie, though. Yeah. Um, you seen it? Uh, no, okay. I saw um, badass. You saw badass, which yeah. was just uh, not I mean, that great. Yeah, it's. I think if you've seen Sweet Be- Sweetback, badass is an interesting companion, but I don't think it's a great film. Yeah. Um, but Sweet Sweetback's badass song is very much a black exploitation film. It it has the same elements of you know uh, crime and and low life uh, mm-hmm. in in black communities that the more cynical black exploitation films had, but it's a. Uh, um, it's agreed upon because it's made by someone who's aware of what he's what he's making and 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 the uh, the the sort of um, milieu I guess mm-hmm. that he's entering it into and there's a political yeah. context to it J- just like yeah, to go a- back to to go back to sex um, you know uh, the the thing that uh, maybe people necessarily don't. Uh, recognize about a dominant submissive uh sexual relationship is that really under the surface the submissive one is actually in charge Mm. because that is the person who has the power with the safe word or what have you to stop things at any time right um and and so i think you can make exploitation from a place of the exploited and and oh absolutely uh it could be worthwhile i do think that it's still like i said i do think it still requires some uh some careful stepping uh, otherwise you are going to, wa- well, okay, hang on. I'll get to that in a second. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where like if somebody comes and says like, well, horror movies, they're in their base. Uh-huh. Uh, my response these days is like, okay, yes, I agree. Okay. Now what? Uh-huh. Like base in favor of what? Like a film can be base and, and be exploring a th- and, and, and be exploring a theme, even if it's indirect. Um, or a film can be totally family friendly and be totally cynical and uh-huh. not oh, yeah. trying to do anything. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like everything is a tool. Like there's no like a hammer. If you use a hammer to pound a nail into a board, you're fine. If you use it to smash your friend's face, uh-huh. well, you're not. You know, the, the, it's it's every every like everything is is a tool. But um, OK, so I wanted to talk about this idea 
that you were that you were exploring a moment ago about horror by your ver- by by its very nature we we identify with the victim first and foremost and yet if we really identified the, with the victim we might not want to see this movie we wouldn't give this movie money mm-hmm. because if we don't if we don't pay to see it if we don't watch it then that victim's fine everybody's fine <laughs> you know it's only it's only real if it's happening while we're watching it and so so the right, so and that's one of the things that I do like about uh cabin in the woods and funny games is it explores this idea of like well, you want you do actually want this, yeah. You know, you may root for somebody, but you're not rooting for them so much so that they they have a happy life, yeah. That that the, you're not rooting for them to the extent that you don't want anything to happen to them. Right. You just want yeah. them to be okay after a while. And by the way, that that girl that gets away at the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, her life is ruined. <laughs> okay, like that's I, I've said it. She's so, living, yeah, so many times. Possibly my favorite final shot of a, of any movie ever. Yeah, and uh, in a way, like it. it it's like Leatherface is dancing out of frustration, but uh-huh. at the same, which sounds strange. It's like Billy Elliot, um, <laughs> but it's also it's 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 a triumph. I'd have gone with Footloose, but yeah, <laughs> but it's a it's it's a, almost a dance of triumph because like yeah, I guess she got away, but come on, <laughs> yeah, she's alive, but she's not living. Yeah. And so, and in that same way, you know, there are movies that I think are postmodern that deal that put us as first person as possible. A movie like Peeping Tom for example, yeah. which, uh, which is a film that absolutely needs to be seen it. it uh, I remember there was a, uh, in our, in our class about, uh, Michael Powell, they talked ab- about, it came out in the same year as psycho and got kind of eclipsed by that. Uh, because though psycho is wonderful, I love it. Peeping Tom deals with some rather uncomfortable things and people were not ready for that. Um, Peeping Tom pretty much ruined Michael Powell's career, correct? Yeah, that's that's what we were taught. Yeah, it is the. <laughs> what are you What are you trying to say? <laughs> Question authority, man. <laughs> yes, and Todd Browning after Freaks had a wonderful <laughs> career that we're just not hearing about. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, and so it's a film that really, quite literally, I mean, the 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 killer uses a blade that is attached to his tripod and so he will film the blade going into somebody's like neck or chest or whatever mm-hmm. and you and it cuts right to the film's uh, the camera's perspective and you're watching this happen and he's getting excited by it maybe not sexually but emotionally i think sexually probably sexually too uh, we're gonna get that in a minute yeah when we get into scream and behind the mask and so like and he's and you're forced and what's interesting about that is when you when when you're in the position of the camera that means that you're literally getting closer and closer to this uh woman even when you don't want to and the closer you get the more likely it is she's going to die not unlike you know if you stay out of the theater no one's going to die you mm-hmm. go into the theater the closer you get the more involved you as the audience member get the more likely it is these people are going to die. That's why that's one of the reasons I like uh, Cabin in the Woods is because the more interested spoilers for Cabin in the Woods spo- uh, uh, go a minute and a half ahead. The ancient ones uh-huh. they take a, they take a very keen interest in what happens to people, and you kind of wish they didn't, right? Because if they didn't, everyone would be fine. And um, all right. So I I, uh, I feel like that's it, it explores it a little bit. It's it's a yeah. little deconstructionist. I just want to. Talk, I mean, there's a, the other thing that we 
that you hear a lot about the horror movies. It has become kind of a cliche. In fact, Paul Tompkins has a bit about it, about people saying, like, I, I think we all like to be scared. Um, and the thing is, I, I think that's true, but uh, or that hints at something that's true. It's not that we like to be scared. It's that we like the moment after we realize it's okay. Yes. Um, you know, it's, I imagine it's the same thing with bungee jumping. I don't think mm-hmm. it's the falling that is the real appeal of bungee jumping. It's being snatched yeah. back up from, uh, you know, splattering on the ground. Uh, and you so know, I, did, I, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot to say about that, but I just want to. Well, mention. I will mention uh, the Omen, which is a movie I don't like. But there's some things in the Omen I still like. I know it's not there's great. Some things. I mean, as we all know uh-huh. from that film, we learned <laughs> baboons are baboons dangerous. are dangerous. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean the um, the birthday party and the it's all for you, that's, Damien. That's that's great. That's really creepy. Yes. Like disturbing stuff. Um, but there is a having listened to the uh, commentary. Um, with uh, Richard Donner. And it, I will say this, it's one of the better commentaries I've heard. Yeah. I like it quite uh, a Richard bit. Richard Donner and Stuart Baird, the editor, who yes. would go on to direct Executive Decision. And what I... I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> and what I'm about to mention actually is very much a directorial and editorial decision. Uh, Richard Donner, there's a scene where a character winds up getting his... being decapitated. and right. And it's in slow motion. And Richard Donner said that he well i don't remember if he did research or if he just sort of instinctively thought that like people when that happens might throw their hands uh-huh. over their eyes cuz they don't actually want to see it and they might give and and they might unconsciously give like a little count to 3 uh-huh. and then they will take their eyes down and usually within 3 seconds the the scary part is over uh-huh. and so he's like we're going to draw this out. We want this to be about five to six seconds so that when the person takes their head down, that's when the worst thing is happening. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and that's an example of what you're talking about is, is people, they're like, they're like, this is really scary. Okay. It's probably all right now. Oh no, it's still happening. <laughs> um, and so that's, that's a sort of a deconstructionist, uh, uh, choice. There. Okay. Now we've gone longer than we should have to begin with, but I do, we need to talk about scream and behind the mask. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, because Scream was the sort of uh, Pomo horror film that, uh, you know, launched a whole generation. And that's gotten to the point where a Scream movie is no longer about uh, other horror movies. A Scream movie is now a genre unto itself. Yes. Which I'm okay with. I actually liked Scream 4. I thought it was a blast. Scream has started to eat its own tail. Yes. That's yeah. exactly what, and that's... Uh, Completely understandably, that is a problem for some people, and I won't begrudge them that. I thought it was—I thought it was fun. I don't now, think people, it, I don't think it bothers me. Uh, I, I didn't I, like Scream Four, but it did, it, that doesn't bother I, me. I, I, I did like Scream Four. Um, uh, yeah, the—I mean, could there be like uh, any more indication that Scream has like become this masturbatory, you know, uh, self-consuming thing than? Nev Campbell actually saying you don't fuck with the original. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um uh, I love that. Any, anyway, uh, it's a nice moment. That's a nice payoff moment too. Uh yeah, yeah. Um but uh Scream um a movie I did not like the first time I saw it by the way. Really? Uh, and have come to love um is uh it it really spoke to a, a moment in the culture where uh or at least in the young person's culture in the in the 1990s um where just 
talking at length about things was uh, of interest to people. Mm. You know, talking about trivialities at length and, and being sort of defined by our pop trivialities, you know, things such as obviously Pulp Fiction, but I mean, before that, even Seinfeld or, you know, Days and Confused was before that and Reality Bites, all, all, right. the, all that stuff. Um, uh, so it came along at the perfect moment. And uh, in the world of horror, the slasher film had kind of burned out by then. I mean, yeah. it, it was insane how many slasher movies there were in the in the 80s, uh, dipping into the 90s. But then it really, it, it got tired people got yeah. tired of it because it was it was the same just the same thing over and over yeah and i think i mean watch watch halloween six the curse of michael myers which is a fucking snooze okay and that was only a year or two before before scream yeah um yeah it's i, th- I mean they still made them but i mean they just did not have that there was not the boom that there was in the 80s um uh, and it, yeah and scream came along and refreshed it by being uh uh glib and and uh, self-aware about it yeah. um but also being uh it, it's sort of like how you talked about taking the moment of the comic relief when the audience is vulnerable yeah to to hit them it suddenly the uh the characters being uh audience surrogate surrogates in the way that that um uh, in that specific way of us being jaded mm-hmm. um made the brutality of the slasher film suddenly more realistic i mean the uh, to go back to halloween six the deaths in halloween six might be more gruesome Mm -hmm. but they're more the 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 stabbings and scream are more stomach churning to me yeah Uh, if uh, it's and that's something that also i've become more sensitive as uh, as i've gotten older and i still love scream but the completely unapologetic way that wes craven films the the murders is It's clear that he's not just making a horror film. Like it's it's tough yeah. to watch. And Scream Four did a lot of that too. Yeah, it was surprisingly brutal. Um, and that gets me into something else I want to talk about. Uh, but unless you have more, I did have one thing to to say. One one of the one of the uh, beautiful things about Scream is that okay, I'm going to get really really nerdy, and I might be reaching, but I don't think so. All right. David, you fear what you don't understand. You've heard that a million times, right? Like it's Sure, yeah. Okay. And so it's almost as though and you know, I mean, certainly more now than than in 1996, was it? The scream? Yes. Yeah. Certainly more now than then, you know, we are in, we live in the information age where we can get as much information or as little as we choose uh, at any given point. Um and 96 was getting it was getting there the idea of the internet was still this very exciting thing where you could connect to people all over the world and obsess about the thing that you like um and you can find out all about it Uh and and one of the things that i find interesting is when you think about it okay you fear what you don't understand the kids in scream understand horror and it's right. almost as though it's almost commenting on this idea of like your familiarity with the tropes is going to keep you from being frightened when you see right. horror movies. And and as as exemplified by Jamie Kennedy's character, although he does wind up uh, living um, for a while, uh, <laughs> the the idea of like you think knowledge of this is going to save you. Mm-hmm. And that is one of my fa- some of my favorite slash least favorite in the sense that they're so depressing to me some of my favorite horror movies are the ones that that it, that anticipate everything you're gonna think 
mm-hmm. and just like because I've had this thought where it's like okay if I was in a bad a crappy situation like and it doesn't have to be a horror situation it could be 127 hours or something it's like okay so I'm not much of a physical threat but I'm kind of smart surely I can think my way out of this yeah. right yeah and and I think there is a certain smugness to modern Gen Xers or, mm-hmm. or people of our generation where it's like I think we're based on a study I recently read you and I are technically millennials millennials okay, but yes. just barely yeah my brother is a Gen Xer I'm a millennial yes the, 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 the study that I read defined millennials as people who were born after Ronald Reagan took office so that makes us barely millennials yes yes um, and so uh, but yeah but either way you know there's a I'd say it's the same between those those two uh, generations and that like we're, we're very smug. We feel like we have as much information as, as anybody ever has, and we feel like that's going to protect us. It's like, well, we can't. You can't do this to me. I, I know all about this. Uh-huh. And I feel like Scream really, really uh, explores that idea. And yeah. that the, this you know, thing that you're using to shelter yourself is actually not going to hold up. Do you know a movie I keep thinking about when you talk about the idea that, uh, of a character doing everything you would think of? Not a horror movie, but by a, written and directed by a horror writer, uh, Cellular. Oh yeah, uh, is is the, uh, and that's another, another. It's not as great as Joyride, but also a movie that I think is overlooked. Mm-hmm. Cellular is a really tight and smart thriller. I like it a lot. Um, and yeah, Larry Cohen is the one who who wrote wrote and directed that. Did he direct it? Yeah. Yes. Um, anyway, um, all right. Let's get back to the stabbings in Scream. Let's do, which will lead us into Behind the Mask, which is my favorite of this of this genre. Mm-hmm. Um, uh as much as Scream is very on the surface about the horror tropes as far as, um, uh, you know, plot-type things, uh, you know, um, it, it only hints at the um, sexuality of horror films, right? Um, at least on the surface. But, I mean, the, you know, the, the penetration with the knife is, uh, you know, it's a very phallic... Uh, uh, symbol and a very again penetrative act. It's, I'm not following you. It. It's uh, um, it's it, and, and of course um, Randy, that's Jimmy Kennedy's character, mm-hmm. uh, talks about how you know only the virgin lives. Uh, you know the the more promiscuous women or right. characters um, yeah. in general you die. Can't do drugs. You can't drink. You can't have sex. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so there is this sort of very, I guess, socially puritanical, socially conservative uh, tradition in horror. And um, as much as Jamie Kennedy uh, and Randy, or you know, really Kevin Williamson, uh, lays that out, it's behind the mask that really gets academic about it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, and much more specific, you know, talking about how... Um, uh, you, you know, actually literalizing the idea that the, the weapon, the murder weapon has to be phallic mm-hmm. and that in order for the virginal character, the, the, the final girl in mm-hmm. horror film fan speak, um, in order for her to survive, she has to take from him uh, or equally arm herself with a phallic object. Mm-hmm. She, she has to become the 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 male sexually yeah. uh in order to de- to destroy him and then you know he talks about uh you know passing through uh you know he's like this is where the final girl is gonna 
uh, going to kill me, um, and we have to pass through this archway. This is Yannick imagery. This is this is vaginal. And yeah. uh, is just very incredibly specific um, uh, about about that part of it. And that's the part of Behind the Mask. That's not the only thing Behind the Mask is about. It also talks about um, some very, very uh, just very funny uh, sort of observational humor about, you know, how how a slasher can appear to be walking but keep up with the people who are who are running yeah and that that takes a lot of stamina for him to be able to do that uh that's very funny but i think the main thing by the end that i um react to in behind the mask is the uh the the sexual politics of horror films and the way that behind the mask uh recognizes them and kind of flaunts them but ultimately has to fulfill them yeah uh and and i don't think that that i don't think that that its ultimate uh, fulfillment of them is um a cheat or a backtrack i think it is a further comment on saying like um horror movies don't uh follow this because that's just the way horror movies are there's something about the way that people in society are that requires this kind of story and unfortunate is that maybe it hasn't changed yet yeah it's i've had i've had that thought when i was when i was younger i remember thinking like why is it always a girl like why is the main character always like i remember you know alien which is a horror movie but it's also a sci-fi like the idea of ripley being the one to survive was like a crazy huge thing you know when you think of it as an action movie when you think yeah but when you think of it as a horror movie she's the final girl yeah yeah but like, yeah, very much. But it wasn't, and it became an action movie with aliens, yeah. and then she really fulfilled that uh, that role. But um, but you know, and and then like there was Halloween, and there was even you know Psycho before that. Like it was, and then you know Poltergeist as opposed to the Omen. Omen, both of them have young children. One of them is the girl in danger. The other one turns out to be the Antichrist. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. like you know, it's one of those things where it just well, why is that? And it's like well, because don't get me wrong like you certainly wouldn't want anything happen anything to happen to your young son but at the same time like there is something about women i'm not saying they're weak but there are they're 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 the fairer sex they're more they're more vulnerable by their very nature yeah Um, i don't know if it's their nature no i mean like sexually like oh because they're the ones who are who are entered. They have yes. to yield of themselves. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Bill Burr has a very funny joke about why sex is easier for men than women. Okay. Which is basically like, uh, imagine you're at a party and your friend dares you go over and stick your finger in the cake. It wouldn't take you too much to go over and stick your finger in the cake. Yeah. But if your friend dares you, go grab a piece of that cake and shove it up your ass. <laughs> and then you have all these sort of questions like, has anyone got a video camera? How many people are going to be around? It's, like, uh, it's a very funny bit that actually does get at the, at, um, the heart of why, yeah, why women are yeah. um, in this, this role in, in movies. Um, and again, yeah, society has placed them in a place that, God, is there a way to use the word society without sounding like a pseudo-intellectual? Uh, that's on emphasis on the pseudo. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, very much pseudo. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, they're, they're placed in a more, more vulnerable, victimized, uh, Mm -hmm. position. Um, something that our friends, Dallas and Patrick commented on, uh, quite wonderfully, uh, in entrance. Mm -hmm. The, uh, so you mentioned, uh, entrance. I did want to say this. So, uh, 
obviously David and I do a commentary on entrance, but it's I only obvious. I only it should be obvious to anyone who has the it's DVD because yeah. it's right there on the back. Yeah. And we say it every time we bring up entrance at this point. <laughs> but also, uh, last night, I actually, uh, while I was working, I turned on their commentary. Oh, which I still need to listen to. It's, it's great. And, man. Is it just the two of them or with Susie? It was Susie. Oh. And uh, now, you and I, because we know them, we know that they put a lot of effort into every choice they make with that film. Yeah. But, you know, if you read a lot of reviews, they everyone gives the impression that this thing was just somehow slapped together except for the last 20 minutes. Man, you, you listen to that commentary and you realize, man, every single choice they made was a choice. Like, every, it wasn't, yeah. okay, let's see how this goes. Like... That's why this whole, they, and this is an, an, an episode into itself, but this yeah. whole idea of mumblecore is yeah. so fucking insulting and just like, don't, please, do me a favor, do not seriously use the term mumblecore because it doesn't exist. It never happened. There was never any such thing as mumblecore. I, as you know, I use it because it is a shorthand that people sure, yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. Um, but just yeah, like we, so, you, we, you and I use alt comedy yeah. uh, in that way. It's also yeah. a term comedians, I don't like. Yeah, comedians don't like it. They yeah. don't understand it. <laughs> I don't it. like it, but it does, yeah. it is... Uh, reliable yeah so um but yeah and that's i don't uh, what's the shoot before you brought up entrance and i had to give our give us a little plug i had something to say but now i don't remember it so it's oh, it's well. fine um oh now now i remember i wonder like I, I find myself wondering what the first but you know what i like i was saying like well what's the first film that like featured like a woman not merely as the main character but the but uh, women in danger but then i realized like that's an old like Dra- bram stoker did that in dracula you know like yeah, yeah. it's it is a very uh it's not a new thing it's not new with film or television or anything like that um yeah and i think it's just okay. something that ups the stakes no i'm not saying stakes because of dracula <laughs> um but By it's, the way, it, it almost lets you know like because women are in 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 society, sorry everybody. Uh, in society, women are, you know, there to be there to be protected. You know, whether that's you know, one could say that's a uh, patronizing, patriarchal. It's both and, and patronizing. It is both. It's it's very patri. Um, <laughs> it's uh, you know whether that's 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 neither here nor there. But you know, in old time society and, and even now, uh, like you know, you never hit a girl. Like that's a that's a that's a thing. Would you ever hit a woman? Uh, um, would I ever hit? A, I mean, if she was gonna uh, stab me or something. Would you hit a woman as easily as you would hit a man? No, no. Patriarchal. Yeah. I also like. Um, I'm. I I, I I tell me what you think of this. Okay. Uh, someone's being an asshole in traffic. I'm more likely to yell at yell at them if it's a man because if it's a woman, I'll feel like. I'll feel like I'm uh, being something, like being patriarchal or something. I'm pretty equal opportunity when it comes to people in traffic. I'll yeah. say that. And I think I think I'm wrong there. I think I should probably no. You know what? I should probably not yell at anyone in traffic. Yeah, that's the first thing. But I I, I think I I, I I think I'm wrong for uh, making that uh, distinction. And that's the thing. Even somebody as uh, hyper feminist as yourself, I'm you not know, a feminist. Haven't you said that before? Did you I, consider yourself that? I don't know. I mean, I, uh, I, I didn't I even. Know. I didn't even mean for it to be a joke. The hyper part, yeah. But like, yeah. you know, somebody who is who is sensitive to the the, the right. cause of, of well, feminist and that sort like, of thing. Well, um, like that character Dave Foley played on Kids in the Hall. I do have a positive attitude towards menstruation. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good line. Um, yeah, 
but no, uh, I don't know. I I, I have trouble with the defining whatever wave what that means. Whatever wave feminist. Let's not go back yeah, to that. Yeah. But um, but even for somebody like you, you know, it's like there are certain rules regarding women. You don't do this, and that's and that's fine with me. But it, it's almost and they're they're old rules, so it makes sense that like if something is happening to a to a woman, it's like it's it's not unlike. It's like when Hitchcock kills the main character, yes, a woman, but more importantly, the main character in this instance, um, in the first 40 minutes, mm-hmm. when the shark is allowed to eat a kid, uh-huh. you know, it lets us know that all bets are off. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and so it's just like, oh my gosh, like, like the, by all means, like women and children first, the men all die, you know, uh-huh. let, let vampires and, and, Wolfmen and Frankenstein's monster, like let them kill men. Don't kill women. Like hmm. they're killing this woman and this child. Like nobody's safe. You know, it's it's, it's kind of that <laughs> yeah, attitude, yeah, yeah. and and it is sort of a. I, I think we're getting away from deconstructionist, except no, I don't know. I except that you and I are deconstructing it. Yeah, um, I think that that's that's what um, that's something that behind the mask is 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 addressing. And, very much. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's I would say of all the th- like they they examine some of the cliches and kind of have fun with them, but by and large, like that is foremost in the front of their mind when they mm-hmm. when they made that film. Um, so, are there any other movies yeah, that you I, can think man, of? I, I, no, I just want to talk about Behind the Mask more because okay. it's not just in that long description of him. Like a big part of the um, the I guess Act Two B maybe mm-hmm. is him walking her through everything that's gonna happen in act three which it does happen you know not exactly as he says which is just i think uh, having the the filmmakers having fun with the audience but um uh but it it um, these these elements of um uh gender politics and sexual dynamics and all that stuff don't just come in there if you look at it even before we, we meet uh scott wilson um, Scott Wilson's character, who's the older, the the veteran, you know, his, uh, I think it's very telling that his home life is v- almost like Ozzy and Harriet, you know, yeah. he's got the, uh, you know, very domestic goddess, supportive, uh, wifey character. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, this is all just making me want to watch Behind the Mask again. Well, and you know, it's, it also, it, one of the other things that I think it's it's worth noting that it is uh, the first half of the film, uh, the first two acts I'd say is a, is a mockumentary, um, because not entirely, not entirely, but it, they, that's they, true. They, yeah. they set up early on that there will be parts of the film where it will be presented as a horror film. Yes, as, not 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 just through the the yeah. camera as the movie they're documenting. Uh, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. And as you go into the movie, more it is, more and more of it is the yeah. horror movie and less the, the mockumentary. Yeah. It's a, it's a great stylistic choice. Yeah. I love it. Um, but it does sort of uh, explore one of the things that uh, movies like Blair Witch Project and uh, to a lesser extent, a movie called The Lost Coast Tapes, which no one should see. Um, it's about... Oh, Bigfoot, The Lost about, Coast Tapes? That's the one. Uh, you don't need to see it. But... Um, but any any like not not merely found footage because like paranormal activity doesn't count as this but like any any film where like somebody's carrying a camera uh the idea of like using using film to distance yourself from the hor- the horrific events and 
and it's it's worth noting that like um man i do not remember the name of uh i don't remember the name of the character or the actress that is the the documentarian in behind the mask but um but she picture of course yeah and but she uh you know he's walking her through all these things she's not scared He's talking about killing someone, but she's not scared yeah. because she is at a nice remove. She's safe, you yeah. know, and 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 oh. it's that idea of like, well, if I'm if I'm filming this, like somehow that viewfinder, yeah. seeing it through you know the viewfinder, she, keeps me safe. Who she's like in a much more artsy fartsy film is uh, John Malkovich in Shadow of the Vampire. Oh yeah, so it's pretty much the same thing. He he does not fear the vampire as much as he should. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, you you feel like because Gothels. that's it. Yes, you you feel like because you are the one watching this, and you can stop watching at any time that you're in control. And so, uh, just as John Malkovich can yell "cut," and in his mind, the vampire will do what he wants, you uh-huh. know, and uh, and that uh, you know uh, Angela's character can like can make an appeal and and at one point one of the members of the documentary crew makes an appeal to leslie vernon Mm -hmm. like we were buddies during this thing like what he's basically saying is like no 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 we're we were behind the scenes you're part of the crew like me you know Mm -hmm. really so why are you doing this i'm not a victim i'm i'm removed from it you know and and that kind of comments on on the horror audience that they feel like no this isn't you know Right. Where to safe? Where to safe remove? And of course you are, but uh, but yeah, it yeah. explores that. Yeah, maybe you you're not not unlike Scream. You know, like just because you're at a safe remove in this instance, it doesn't mean terrible things won't happen to you in your life. Have you, by the way? And this is we should wrap up. I okay. think I think we've reached the end. Yeah, I think we're good. But a little thing that's going to make me sound snobbish. Have you actually seen any of the peril, paranormal activity? Movies? No. Here's the thing. I hear that first one's pretty good. Yeah, I've started to hear that. Um, or maybe I just started to pay attention. Here's the thing. Almost like any movie that comes out, there's a part of me subconsciously is a movie buff that assumes that I'll see it someday. Mm-hmm. It's a weird thing, like this weird completist. Like I, I, I know it's impossible, but I want to see every movie ever made. But there are some maybe movies... Maybe you could get a grant. <laughs> I don't think it would be possible. Um, but there are some movies that I don't even consider seeing to the extent that I don't even really think of them as being real movies yeah they don't uh, seem like, like they they don't seem like an option it's like somebody says uh hey jump jump vertically eight feet in the air <laughs> right. it's just like oh yeah i can't do that <laughs> go see paranormal activity no uh, what <laughs> yeah no but jump to me eight feet in the air is something i'd want to do like, <laughs> oh absolutely yeah <laughs> um uh and so i i think i've only recently like and maybe it's because of i know that a lot of the people who listen to us are um of the geekier movie movie fan variety mm-hmm. which i think is awesome i very much uh embrace and love and respect those kind of people but that's not necessarily our crowd i think we're more snobbish maybe yeah. um and so the number of friends i have as many movie buffs that i have the number of friends i have that have actually seen or care to talk about the paranormal activity movies is very small um so i i do know I honestly, people that have seen it and they like it yeah, I, I know. I know a couple people, but I, honestly, I've only recently started to with this fourth one coming out. Or maybe it already came out. I actually don't know. Um, exactly. <laughs> uh, with this fourth one out, or maybe not, um, I've only recently started to realize, like, oh, these are movies that I should maybe think about watching someday. Like, these are actual movies. Yeah, for I'm, me, I'm sort of is... the same thing. I've become the same thing with James Bond movies because I'm so just 
relentlessly uninterested <laughs> in them. Yeah, we we need we do need to do an episode about James the James Bond movies at some point because right. especially now because I will play for, moderator. We'll have a guest on. Well, we'll have Kyle on, obviously. Oh like yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. You know, he wrote that series for us, but um, yeah, that's an interesting. Okay, th- this I I guess we're going out on James Bond. Um, that's well, an interesting with, with, with Skyfall coming out. Mm. Yeah, like it's interesting that. James Bond movies, like who who directed, uh, you know, uh, the Living Daylights? I don't know. Yeah, who directed uh, Goldfinger? I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. Who's directing Skyfall? Oh, Sam Mendes, Oscar award winner. Yeah, Sam Mendes. Who directed Quantum of Solace, which apparently is not very good, but who directed it? Mark Forster. Mark Forster, who did Monsters Ball. Like, when was the last time you watched Monsters Ball? It, since since. Did, was it you and I that watched it on? Uh, I think yeah. DVD. Yeah. No, we you and I saw it in the theater. Did we? Yeah. Damn. Um, well, okay. Not since then. At, yeah. Um, I liked it at the time, and I haven't watched it since either. But I have this feeling that it doesn't hold up. I have a feeling it's a little overwrought. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's some, there's something about the franchise. I don't know what it is. Just started to attract. And who knows, maybe, you know, like, I don't mean to say that the directors, you know, from 40 years ago, it's not mere, I try to think, well, maybe it's because, maybe it's because you and I are alive now and we're adults now, but I don't think so. I don't think anybody 30 years ago was like, oh, who directed, uh, you know, uh, uh, well, you know what I think happened? Uh, uh the Bourne movies happened. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the Bourne the Bourne movies happen, and in between the second and third one, uh, the Oscar the the director got nominated for an Oscar for yeah. Man United ninety three. Like, yeah, it is it's something that happens, and I think that's probably a good thing. You know, uh, I think the Bourne movies are a very good thing. Yeah, you got to see Casino Royale. I think you'd act. enjoy it. Yeah, maybe, but I, I'll have to watch all twenty two or all twenty. Well, how many were there? All twenty previous because Skyfall's twenty three, right? Is it? I don't know. So the way Casino Royale 21. And you have Final to see all of them? Is it all it's or nothing 22. with you? Is that how it's going to be? Yeah, that's okay. the way I am. And I know it's ridiculous. And people tell me, it's sort of like, I've never seen any of the Friday the 13th movies either to get back to horror. And, okay. people, and people tell me like, you don't, you can watch Freddy versus Jason without having seen everything from each uh, franchise. And uh, in my head, I say, uh, no, I can't. I've not seen the first one. I saw the third one where he gets the mask for the first time. I've seen Jason Takes Manhattan, and I saw Jason X. Oh, and I did see Freddy, Freddy vs. Jason. Okay. Now, there are some franchises Ugh. that I have skipped around a bit because this was when I was younger, before I'd established these rules. Like with Halloween, I've seen 1, 3, and 6. 3, obviously, is not... Uh, That's a joy, by the way. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, yeah. is so great. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. So, uh, we... Okay, we, we uh, are part. We don't talk about this, but we're we're part of an affiliate program with various uh, companies that sell DVDs and that sort of thing. Um, and occasionally, you'll see a, a little ad pop up on the side that nobody clicks on, um, and that's fine. Whatever, it's not a big deal. Uh, but we do have. I don't remember what company releases it, but uh, Halloween Three: Season of the Witch is available in this affiliate thing. Mm-hmm. I will put it on by the time this this airs i will post it on the side click on it get it on blu-ray and enjoy yourself pat healy recommends recommends it up and down yeah it's just a batshit crazy movie (laughs) that is that is totally worth your time yeah yeah i'm a big fan yeah 
Okay. All right. Um, we ended on horror. There we go. There we go. So uh, you can find us at BattleshipRetention.com. You can email us, David at BattleshipRetention.com or Tyler at BattleshipRetention.com. You can follow me, David, on Twitter at ThePretension. Follow Tyler at More Lessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which is at MoreThanOneLesson.com. My other podcast is the television wrap-up show Previously On. That's at PreviouslyOnShow.com. Yeah, you start saying wrap-up instead of review. I said that a while ago. Yeah. Well, I usually... F- I usually kind of phase out what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah. I, st- I stopped saying weekly because, yeah. as you'll notice, you, you, I'm sure you do notice because I'm part of the fleet, so mm-hmm. you have to uh, update. Um, it is not a weekly show anymore. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. More than one last time was a weekly show for a few months, and then I was like, ugh. Because I was doing it by myself. And, uh, you right. know. Uh, and speaking of more than one lesson, uh, the most recent episode, as I mentioned, the most recent episode is about uh, uh, Frank Darabont's The Mist with the companion film Night of the Living Dead. Hmm. Uh, and you, I'd say go ahead and listen to that because uh, I like the I like uh, the mist and Josh did not, so you get to hear us uh, disagree, which is not something we do very often. You should have done Night of the Living Dead companion film Night of the Living Dead. Well, that still doesn't fit in the format because the most recent Night of the Living Dead is twenty two years old. Uh huh. Oh, the companion film has to be something. No, the the main film has to be within the last five years, with a couple of exceptions like Crash, something that's kind of in oh. the public consciousness. Yeah, I never realized. Oh yeah, didn't you do one on Barton Fink? That was a companion film for The Prestige. Wow. Oh man. How about that? So, um, and then uh, is it going to be two? Yeah, and then uh, October thirtieth, a week before the election. We're doing uh, an episode about uh, the Ides of March with the companion film All the King's Men, the 1949 version. Right, All the King's Men. All the King's Men, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's my favorite 50s uh, do up band. So, okay. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.